So this evening, we're going to be looking at um, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I was, I was really glad when I was asked to do this topic because Mary is probably one of my favorite people in the Bible. And I've got a few reasons for that. But one of the reasons for that is I think with Mary, we can, we can learn so much from her. You know, she's such a, a good example of how uh, a normal person can be used by God in incredible and unique ways. So Mary's calling, as we know, was very unique. I, um, I don't think any of us are going to be getting pregnant by the Holy Spirit and birthing the Son of God anytime soon. So her calling was extremely unique, but our callings in our lives are unique to us. And, um, you know, Mary is such a, a good example of how nothing in this world and nothing worldly, like no worldly barriers, should stop us from doing what it is that God wants us to do. So one of the things that I, I love about Mary is that she was an underdog in so many ways. So to the culture and the society that Mary lived in, she was a bit of a nobody. So as we know, Mary was from a place called Nazareth. And we, most of us here will know that, if not all of us here, because Nazareth now is, you know, it's quite a famous place. It's because it's such a significant place in our Bibles. It's where Mary was from. And uh, if, you, if you're not a Christian or you don't know your Bibles, you've probably still heard of Nazareth because, you know, in our culture, we do nativities from, from when we're really young. We hear about it in Christmas songs and Christmas movies. We've all heard of it now. But back then, Nazareth was, it was not a famous place. It wasn't a well-known place. And uh, it was a very small and insignificant village. And it was so small that historians reckon that there may have only been a few hundred people living there at the time that Mary was there. And it was, um, you know, it was probably filled with a lot of just normal, hard-working folk. So laborers, shepherds, tradesmen, farmers, it wouldn't have been a very glamorous place. And um, in this village, this little village near the bottom of the social ladder is probably where we would have found Mary. So she obviously was a female. She would have had less rights than men. And um, she was probably poor. She was likely to be uneducated. And she was just a teenager. So in worldly terms, Mary was extremely unremarkable. But in, in God's upside-down kingdom, he uses unremarkable people to do remarkable things. And God picked unremarkable Mary out of all the women in all of time and history to be the one to carry and birth the Son of God into this world. And I just think, you know, in worldly terms, that is just so backwards. You know, the world would think that if God is going to send the Son of God into the world and he's got to choose a mother for the Son of God, then, you know, people would probably think that woman would need to be famous or wealthy or powerful, maybe royal. But no, God chose Mary. And that, you know, the way that God worked there, that is just so typical of the way God uses people. And, um, you know, I think, 
I think it's very easy for us to default into thinking that, you know, God can't use me because I'm not qualified enough or I'm not good enough or I'm not talented enough or, you know, I know the thing God wants me to do, but I don't have the resources to do that thing or... You know, some people look down on me, even like in my workplaces, in my schools. Maybe you feel like even people in your church look down on you. How God could never use me if people look down on me. And um, I think for all of us, there are times when we feel like a nobody. And it's really hard to understand how God would want to use us if we feel like that. And, um, you know, I bet Mary felt like that too. In, uh, In Luke 1, 48... Um, as we saw before, oh no, maybe we didn't see before actually, Um, just after what we saw before, um, Mary is singing a song of praise and she is praying to God and she says, for he took notice of this lowly servant girl, so she's talking about herself, and from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. So, God did not care that Mary was lowly. God didn't care how the world viewed her. He didn't care that the world viewed her as lowly. And God was not bothered about how low she viewed herself. Because to be used by God, we do not need great ability. We just need great availability. Mary would not have been a highly able person, but God still chose her to be the mother of Jesus. And Mary just said, okay, God, I am available to you. I am the Lord's servant. And we see that in Luke 1, 38. And Mary was willing to be used by God. And I, so, you know, I, I want to challenge you. When God asks you to do something, So this could be something really big. This could be, you know, move jobs, move house, move countries, you know, these really big things. Or it could be something really small. It could be, go speak to that person over there. Go drop a meal around to someone's house. You know, go share your faith with that stranger over there. Big things or small things. When God asks you to do something, will you say, no, God, I I can't, I'm not able to. Absolutely not, sorry, not in my abilities, nope. Or will you say, God, I know that I am not able to do this in my own strength, but I choose to be available to you, and I choose to believe that you will equip me despite my inabilities, which is what Mary did. In, uh, in Hebrews 13.21, it says, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. God will equip us, not just a little bit for doing his will, not just some, just to kind of get us along our way, just to encourage us. The Bible tells us he will equip us with all we need for doing his will. If we say yes to being used by God. And that is what Mary put her trust in. Mary Mary trusted God that he would equip her with everything that she needed to be Jesus's mother, despite her lowliness and her inabilities. 
But doing this, putting our trust in God, can sometimes obviously be very scary, can't it? And I think when we are, when we're talking about fear, I think it's really easy for us to sometimes think that there is something wrong with us or wrong with our faith if we are fearful of doing something that God is wanting us to do. Or we think, you know, if my faith was in a better place or if my faith was in the right place, I wouldn't be fearful of doing God's will. And I, I used to think like this. You know, so when, when, I was a, when I was a teenager, I remember, I remember looking up to older Christians, you know, these, these Christians that I admired, and, and they, they were doing things that I considered to be completely terrifying when I was a teenager. So I remember looking at Christians who were leading worship, Christians who were preaching on stage, you know, people who were sharing their faith with their, with their friends or their family or strangers. All these things I thought were just completely just you know, I thought they were really scary things and I assumed that those people doing them had no fear of doing them whatsoever because why would you do that stuff if it really filled you with fear? That is how I felt. And my mentality around fear changed a lot on my gap year. So I've talked a little bit about my gap year before, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go into loads of detail and bore you. But um, basically, when I'd finished university, God told me to go and do um, this year out where I was. It was a gap year training you in um, urban, urban youth work, outreach, and evangelism, and um, it was all around sharing your faith. And at the time, I was really ashamed about the fact that I was fearful of sharing my faith with people. You know, it was a big fear that I had. And it was, it was so big that I, you know, I, one of my biggest fears around it was that I would be walking down the street, minding my own business, and God out of nowhere would be like, Abby, go and share your faith with that stranger over there. Like that was just the most, one of the most terrifying thoughts. And if God had done that and said that to me when I was in my early 20s, I would have just been like, no, absolutely not, God. I will not and cannot do that because it's too scary. And um, so I entered this gap year, not only absolutely terrified because the whole point of the gap year was to share your faith with people, but I also entered this, this year with this hope that I would come out the other end of it no longer fearful of telling people about Jesus. And uh, throughout the year, we were made to do, and I, I say made because we really were made, to um, share our faith in lots of different ways, lots of training, lots of contexts, some really terrifying stuff, some really fun stuff. And um, I, at the end of the year... I remember reflecting on it and, and, and asking myself, you know, am I still as fearful now um, of sharing the gospel as I was at the start of this year? And the answer was yes. I was still just as terrified of, of doing it. But what I had learned that year was that the fear we have should never stop us from doing the will of God. You know, I had learned that year to push past this, the fear and to still do what it was that God wanted me to do, to still share the gospel with people. Because God not only often 
ask us to do things that are scary or that make us uncomfortable. But what I've learned is that he, he's okay with us feeling uncomfortable and feeling scared about stuff as long as that, doesn't, that fear doesn't stop us from doing whatever it is he wants us to do. And obviously he doesn't want us to feel fear, but he also is a gracious God and he, you know, he understands that we're human and things do scare us. And when we think about Mary, you know, for Mary, it must have been a really scary situation that she was in. You know, when Gabriel turned up out of nowhere and told her, didn't ask her, told her that she was going to become pregnant. And she was like, but I'm a virgin. How is this even possible? And Gabriel's like, well, it's happening. You are going to be pregnant. You're going to have the son of God. I mean, she must have been really scared. Bless her, she was in the middle of planning her wedding. And I, I remember what that was like, you know, when you're planning a wedding. You are in this really weird phase where you are, you are still living in your old life, but so much of your life is focused on your future life and your married life. And you're thinking all the time, you're like, oh, I wonder what my life is going to be when I'm living with this person and when I'm doing life with this person and, you know, are we going to share everything and, oh, I wonder when we'll have children and, you know, this is, that's the kind of state that you're in when you're about to go into marriage and that is where Mary was when Gabriel visited her and all of a sudden, just like that, her plans changed and she went from being a normal teenager going into a normal marriage which back then was the social norm, um, to now being unmarried and pregnant, which back then was not a social, anything that was socially acceptable. And she would have, I assume she would have been fearful that she would be looked down on by other people. You know, she might have been worried that her fiancé would leave her. She might have been worried about the shame that it would bring on her family that she was pregnant and not married. You know, her parents could disown her, her community could ostracize her. She could be stoned to death by people for being pregnant and unmarried. But still, Mary said to Gabriel after he told her that she would become pregnant in Luke 128, she still said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary still said yes. And she still chose to trust what Gabriel had said would happen. Despite, I'm sure, having a lot of questions, not really getting everything that was going on, she did not let the fear that she had stop her from being used by God and saying, okay, God, I'm your servant. I choose to trust you. And this is the same with us. You know, this is how we should be living our lives. What is God asking you to do right now that fills you with fear and makes you want to run the opposite direction? Because I want to encourage you, whatever it is, you can push past that fear. God gives us the ability to push past that fear because we should not let our fear rule us. It's okay to be fearful, but we shouldn't let it rule us and stop us from doing God's will. I, I take great comfort in the fact that Jesus was fearful. You know, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and he knows he's about to be arrested, he knows he's about to be crucified, 
and he's praying and, and he's, he's saying, God, please take this cup of suffering away from me. And he's in so much distress and anguish and he's, he's sweating drops of blood. He's, he's so distressed and fearful. You know, even Jesus felt fear, but he didn't let that fear stop him from going to the cross and dying for us and doing God's will. Let's not let fear get in the way of the plan that God has for our life, the things that God wants to do in us and through us, the things that God has created us for. Sometimes I think that um, saying yes to God doesn't always make sense. It may not make sense to us, may not make sense to other people. You know, after, after Mary put her trust in God and said, okay, I'm your, I'm your servant, God, I trust you with this. She, I'm sure, was still confused and had lots of questions. And other people would have, I'm sure, been confused and had lots of questions. You know, when she would have said, oh, I'm a virgin, but I'm pregnant. You know, th- this baby, it's God's. It's not another man's. You know, I'm still a virgin. Other people, I'm sure, would have just laughed at her and said, well... I actually think you've cheated on your fiancé, you've got caught out, and uh, now you're trying to cover it up. And people would have laughed at her. Mary looked foolish to the world. And sometimes following God and the plan he has for us and, uh, and living for the sake of the gospel, you know, sometimes it makes us look foolish. Because as Christians... You know, we stand out. We go against the grain. You know, we can look different and people don't like different. You know, we are in the world but not of it. And Jesus says this when in, in Luke, uh, no, in John 17, he's praying to God. And in John 17, 15 to 16, he's praying about the believers. And he's praying for the believers. And he says, God, protect them. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. And part of us not belonging to this world means that sometimes it is uncomfortable to be a Christian. So many Christians live fearful. You know, they are fearful of living for God because they live in fear of looking foolish to the world. And I think we all do this sometimes. It's probably within our human nature. You know, we want to blend in. We want to blend in with the world. But we also want to blend in with church and other Christians as well. We want to do both. And actually, when we do this, we're actually not living to the full potential of what God has created us for. And he's created us for great things. Sometimes following Jesus involves taking risks. So Mary took a huge risk. When she said to the angel Gabriel, she said, okay, God, I'm your servant. I'll trust you, you know, with this crazy plan, God. This weird and crazy journey you're taking me on. I'm going to choose to trust you. When she, you know, when she said that, she took a risk. And the Bible is full of people who have done hugely significant things for the kingdom of God because they have taken huge risks. They have dared to look foolish for the sake of the gospel. So just to name a few, if we think about Noah. So Noah, because he risked looking foolish, he and his family and the animals were saved from the flood. Little David, 
Because he risked looking foolish, he rocked up with a sling and a stone and he killed Goliath. Massive Goliath that no one could kill. Because he risked looking foolish, Moses walked through the Red Sea that God parted with all the Israelites and brought them into freedom. Because he risked looking foolish, Daniel stood up for his faith and he survived the lion's den. Because she risked looking foolish, Mary birthed the Messiah into the world. And Jesus, who looked foolish as he hung on the cross, defeated sin and death because of it. Will we dare to live a life of risk for God? You know, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the people, just so many people out in just the dark world who need to hear about Jesus. You know, for, will we dare to live a life of risk in order to do the will of God? Sometimes it's scary. But as we've read in the Bible, God equips us to do it every step of the way. And we carry the power of God with us in order to do it. It says in 2 Timothy 1.17, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. So just, just to end, I really want to encourage you. You know, let's, let's be like Mary. Okay, let's, let's not let the world's view of us or how we view ourselves or the fear that we have of following Jesus or the fear of looking foolish stop us from living our lives for God. You know, let's not let it stop us from saying yes to him and the plan that he has for our life. Because that plan that he has for each and every one of our lives is massive. And he has created all of us for great significance and to do amazing, amazing things for him and his kingdom. So, are we able to just get the worship band back up, please? So I'm just, I'm just going to finish by, by praying. And um, if any of you want prayer in the worship time, then the prayer ministry team will be this side like normal. Um, does everyone just want to stand? I'm just going to pray quick and then we're going to worship. God, I, I thank you so much, Father that it doesn't matter how ordinary and how unremarkable we may be. God, you still say that we are good enough to be used by you. God, I just pray that you will help us to battle with any fears that we may have that are linked to following you and living a sacrificial life for you, God. Father God, I thank you that you empower us and you equip us to go into the world, to share your gospel and do whatever it is that you are asking us to do. God, I just pray, Father, help us in our everyday lives to say yes to you and to put our trust in you even when it's difficult, even when it might make us look foolish to the world, even when it's scary and even when it doesn't make sense, God. God, I thank you so much that you will use us for significant and amazing things when we say yes to you, God. Amen.